What's going on, everybody? This is Drew here. I want to welcome you on to a brand new episode of Phoenix Down. This is Phoenix Down episode 112.3, and we are continuing and not finishing our playthrough of Control. Uh, we are finishing the main story of Control today. We will be doing both DLCs in the next recording. Today I have with me Matt. Hello. After some mm. adventures with audio, yeah. uh, we are now settled. We are settled. We are no, we're no more delay. No more. <laughs> so what do you think? And then wait for a minute. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, we're, 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 go, we're, we're moving right along through control. Um, I have to say, and I just want to go ahead and put it up here. I had a blast with this game. Yeah, I did too. I feel like where I, didn't get as much out of it as I wanted, I think had as much to do with my lack of time to dive deeper into the game right? than it was any particular problem with the game. So I did every single side quest in this game. Wow. I did, I did all of the Jander stuff. I did all of Langston stuff. I collected all of the, 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 um, or, or like random objects of power. Um, yeah. and that's, that's the good part of that game. That's the stuff that I was like, I want to see what the next thing does. I want to see what this does. Um, some of them feel like menial tasks, like the, the, um, the, the janitor stuff is, is a little bit tedious if we're being honest. Um, like he wants us to go talk to plants and stuff like that and you got to go find them. And, um, I feel like I finally got used to the map. Like it wasn't even used to the map. It was like, much like how I played Resident Evil 2 Remake, how, like, after about four hours of this, I almost had everything kind of memorized. I knew, all right, I know where this is. I know how to get there. I know how to, you know, I know this control point will allow me to teleport over here, you know, yeah. that kind of thing. Yeah. So I, I feel like I had this this building kind of memorized a little bit. And um, after that, I felt like, okay, well, I know where I'm going. Okay, I'm going to go, I'm going to go to, you know, research. And I'm going to go to, you know, containment, that kind of thing. Um, but yeah, no, like doing the side quest, I was like, I, I want to do them all. Like, I want to see everything there is to see in this game. Um, but, uh, and, and you're going to have to forgive me. Uh, a lot of the stuff I did last time, um, we stopped, uh, cause you hadn't made it that far yet. Um, the last thing we did was we met with Dylan who is obviously being possessed by the hiss. And uh, we are supposed to basically go back to where it all started. So come to find out, not only did they kidnap Dylan, um, they also brought pretty much everything they could from the city of Ordinary or the town of Ordinary. Uh, everything up to everything that was in the landfill when this thing happened. Yeah, that's kind of a cool room where they have everything laid out, presumably kind of remaking the landfill a bit. Yeah. Yeah, they 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 remade the entire town in like this like like I don't know, 1 to 50 model. Um and uh basically like how everything started, where this happened, where this happened. Uh and we're supposed to basically we're trying to find the 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 slide projector that started this whole thing, the object of power itself. And going through this, I read a lot of the files and stuff. It seemed like 
when they were kids, they hung out with a couple of kids who they all shared with this slide projector. Uh, a kid found the slide projector and it came with like six slides, I think. And each slide took, was like a portal to another dimension, another world. Um, after everything went down though, um, uh, Jesse burned all but one slide. There was only one slide left. Um, and then she escaped. All the other kids that were involved in this, nobody knows where they are, presumably dead. Um, and Dylan was the only one that, and Jesse, Dylan and Jesse were the only ones that survived the whole town. Um, but, uh, Dylan was captured, obviously. So going through this area, I was like, okay, now we're getting to like basically the backstory of this. And, um, we don't jump into Polaris just yet. We get a little bit of hints. Um, obviously, Polaris came out of the slides. One of the slides, we're not sure. Um, some of them, the, uh, the stuff that we read talk about this thing called Not Mother, which they seem to interact with. They keep calling it Not Mother, I think. Was that what it was? Not mm -hmm. Mother? Yeah, I think so. And, I'm starting to get the vibe of not mother is Polaris. Um, but yeah, the slides, certain ones take you to different locations. They, they talked about a few of them. Like one was like a, uh, abandoned warehouse. One was like a, a field, just a grassy field somewhere kind of thing. And they all have like a different emotion or like a different feeling to them. And these kids like to put them in there and go and hang out in these different places. Uh, obviously, when we go to check out all the um, all the landfill trash to try and rummage through something, uh, they have obviously moved the slide projector somewhere else. Um, so it's it's basically like trying to find the slide projector. Uh, because obviously we believe the hiss came out of the slide projector. Um, it seemed like um, uh, Casper Darling was experimenting on it and uh, and trying to figure out how it worked and everything like that. And for a minute there, I was assuming Casper let the hiss out on accident. Yeah, just because he seems like that kind of guy too, just like poking everything to see what happens. Right, and oh no, we just unleash this thing that could end the world you know yeah. um but later on you find out that wasn't the case so uh yeah um after that after going through the 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 ordinary awe um gosh where, where do they make us go next i can't remember um, what was after that? I know at one point we do that ashtray maze. I yeah. This is around this point, right? That's where Trench decided to put the, the slide projector as like a safety measure to make sure nobody gets to it. Um, the ashtray maze, which the ashtray is a object of power 
Um, it's described as an ashtray with a constantly burning cigarette on it. And its ability is to create a maze where you can't get out of it. Um, or it just leads you back to the entrance, basically. And so going through that, um, we realize, oh crap, we can't, we can't do any of this, uh, because it just leads us back out. Of course, that took me a minute to figure out. I'm like, okay, there's gotta be a trick to this, right? Yeah. I ran around that thing for probably 10 minutes trying to figure out, do I have to run? Do I have to dash through this? No, no, nothing like that. Um, even though the game tells you, you gotta find the, the janitor. Well, I thought the janitor was in the maze somewhere. No, no, he's back at the janitor's <laughs> office. Yeah. So go back to the janitor's office. Janitor's like, okay, uh, yeah, you can get through there. Um, you're gonna need my, um, you're gonna need my headphones. You're gonna have to listen to my music. <laughs> and um, so he gives us his headphones. We go back through the maze, and it's playing. Uh, the 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 heavy metal band or the hard rock band um the uh gods of oh man what's it called the gods of asgard old gods of asgard the old yeah. gods of asgard which is um a a band that if anybody's played alan wake um is a band in alan wake uh these old men uh played in that band uh so we're listening to this music and going through this this crazy maze that opens up and tons of enemies. It's almost like a gauntlet running it. Yeah, perspective shifting, lots of lots of enemies. Well, not yeah. too many enemies actually. It felt it felt it gave me uh, uh, the Evil Within vibes a little bit. Yeah. Um. But yeah, making it through there. Um. There's a few other things we do. We have to go through the the actual mold section. I think that's actually just before the ashtray maze the mold section yeah there there was a section where again more of these like clicker type enemies were and you mm -hmm. have to kind of like run around the periphery yeah um and then that that leads into at, at the end of that section is where you go back to the ocean view motel that's right. That's right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But again, it, it wasn't it wasn't too much of a puzzle. It was just turn all the radios on. <laughs> yeah. The 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 when you say mold, I'm thinking of like going underground and doing those side missions with the the doctor to get uh, the mold immunity. Yeah, I did all that. That took a minute. Also, there are mold enemies in that game that shoot very fast projectiles that will wreck you in about five seconds. Holy crap. I, I died to those guys more than anything else. I take that back. I died to something else more. I died to freaking Tomasi. Tomasi drove me up a wall. Because <laughs> you finally get that side mission to, hey, take down Tomasi. I go to find him. I, I swear to God, I did that fight probably 20 times. Oh. I rage. I rage quit on that. I was like, I'm, I'm not doing this. I'm not doing this. And I turned it off, came back the next day, and beat him on the first try. Yeah, I've actually, that exact thing has happened to me multiple times in this game where I've tried something four, five, six times, 
and then been like, I, you know, I just, for whatever reason, I can't do it right now. I come back the next day and beat it on my first try. I'll tell you one thing, and this really got on my nerves. It made me like say I'm done playing control for the day. (laughs) I did the jukebox. I tried it once before and I was like, I'll come back to this later. And after I beat the game, I was like, you know, I'm going to, I'm going to wipe up the rest of these side quests and stuff like that. Well, one of the side quests is, is finish a jukebox mission. Okay. So I went in there. I swear I did everything. I did everything, every objective. There's four objectives in the first mission. I did all four objectives and you're supposed to, you start in this like center area and then you, you have to float or, or, or platform to these islands. I had finished all four objectives and it tells you go back to the center. I swear to God, I ran out of time. I had two seconds left before I, t- <laughs> I but I was, I was floating to, to the center platform with two seconds left. It said mission failed. I'm like, are you freaking kidding me? I just wasted 17 minutes of my life doing this. Ugh. I was like, I couldn't help it. I like it. Visually, I can still see myself. I was sitting there. I was like, come on, come on, come on, come on. And it said mission failed. And I was like, <laughs> fuck off. And I just turned <laughs> off the Xbox. I was like, I'm done. I'm done with that. Yeah, you betrayed <laughs> me, game. But uh, I will eventually go back and finish the jukebox mission because I want to. Um, but yeah. Uh, gosh, there's so many side quests in this game. Um but yeah, I guess the next thing we have to do is is go to. Um, we're looking for the slide projector, but what we actually end up running into is um, a, a secret item that's being stored. What is it called? It's not Helios. It's Hedron. 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 Uh, they dubbed it Hedron. Uh, it was. It also came from the uh, the ordinary AWE. Uh, it's very top secret. They kept it in this this holding area, and have been running strange experiments on it. And uh, Polaris or Polaris, however you want to pronounce it, um, is leading us there, and that's when Jesse realizes. You're leading me to this. You're not leading me to Dylan. You're leading me to this. Also, this is you, isn't it? And so, yeah. Polaris is basically projecting itself to Jesse to basically, I guess, free it. Yeah, I got just a little bit confused with what Polaris actually is. I did too. I did too. Um, Because I feel like Polaris... In the end, was evil. Was it? I don't know. I, because I didn't really get that vibe. I might. I must have. I might have missed something. Maybe I. Maybe I'm not. I, I'll be honest with you. The story kind of falls apart toward the end. Yeah, which is interesting to me because. It sets itself up in a fractured enough way that I, I, I guess I, I didn't need the story to tie together. But there's a lot of interesting pieces, but then it doesn't fully tie together cleanly anyway. For me. Yeah, the, the, this game just kind of ends. And I was like, oh, okay. 
I guess we'll explain more in the DLCs. Yeah. But, but, um, yeah. So, uh, this room we, was kind of cool when, when you kind of release the hedron out of its chamber and, and then you have to kind of go platform to platform and it keeps rising up and you have to take out all the lasers. Yeah. I'm not sure what they're actually doing to it. I feel like it's holding it in place or draining its power. Yeah. But um, when you do finally release it, it just falls to the ground and it's basically like, oh, it's it's dead. I'm not sure how to feel about it. Yeah, was it dead or was it just empty? Like, the thing we see is only like a container, right? I guess, or was Polaris that? Was it that big? cube thing hmm. I assumed I it was know. inside it and then and then it turned out there was nothing inside it so yeah. I, yeah unclear and Jesse doesn't have Polaris anymore yeah I read one thing that said that Polaris was awakened inside her mm-hmm. which I'm like oh did, has it transferred into her or is she just communicating with it and it exists in some kind of ethereal realm or you know you know she just has a link to it rather than it being inside her right i i, I guess I, I still don't know i i don't either i don't either um but after that the game ends uh the the credits roll and as the credits are rolling uh the the credits start getting distorted and it's like nope we're not done yet and uh Jesse finds herself in the FBC, and she is an office worker. Which is interesting, because I assumed at this point, I'm like, all right, well, she's the director, okay. And then and then what you do is very not director-like. Yeah, she's definitely not the director. She is going and clearing out coffee mugs and making copies and... and um. Uh, what was the other thing she had to do? Oh, deliver mail. Yeah, to trench. But occasionally she would have to, yeah, take mail to trench. And every time we would go to trench's office, Otti's there, the janitor, and he's like, "Oh, you're you're on your way. You're almost there." And we would do it, and we'd come back to where we were, uh, starting all all over. It's like a time loop almost. Yeah. And so, after doing that a few times. Um, she starts to get into the, she starts to realize not everything is what it seems. She starts to realize that Trench was, so originally we thought Trench shot himself. And then we see a vision of Dylan shooting him. Then we see a vision of her shooting him. And I'm really confused. Who killed who here? <laughs> I think the hiss got Trench to kill himself. That's what I'm thinking too. Because it's also revealed that Trench was the one who opened the gateway to the, you know, opened the slide projector, used it, had the gateway, and let the hiss out. So he was maybe the first corrupted or the most corrupted, or maybe there was a little bit of guilt in there that allowed him to be corrupted I, you know i don't know but it did definitely seem like the hiss was involved and i i think he pulled the trigger but 
but did the hiss corrupt him before he let them out? Why did he just randomly let them out? Hmm. Did he not know he was going to let them out? It seems like he was. He, he knew what he was doing. Yeah, good question. So, I'm not entirely sure. But, after breaking free of... I like how when you're in those loops as well, like the office workers start to turn into sometimes demon-looking things. (laughs) Yeah, they look like hiss-possessed people. Some people start floating and stuff like that. Some of them have bags on their head. Yeah, it's really weird. But, um, but yeah, after breaking free of that, um, we, we continue on to finally finding the slide projector. We have to kind of run a gauntlet again. Um, but after, uh, making it to the slide projector and turning it off, essentially cutting off the hiss, or at least I, I, I think, I think we cut off some of the hiss, the hiss, some of the hiss is in, some of the hiss is out. I don't know. Yeah. And then the last thing we have to do is cleanse Dylan. And he has created his own little his little fortress in the astral plane. A lot of platforming here, a lot of fighting enemies and stuff like that. Yeah. I died a couple of times here, but nothing nothing serious. Yeah. And finally make it up to Dylan and we try to cleanse him and I don't know if it worked or not. <laughs> we definitely what put him in a coma. I think so. Um, he he is still at the FBC under their care. I'm assuming. Yeah. And she's sitting there saying that. Well, I guess I'm the new director. For real this time. For real this time, and then the game ends, and basically you start back up. You have a new outfit you can wear. You got the, the director's suit that you can wear. And you can clean up all the uh, side quests if you want to. And that's that, that that's the end of the game right there. I mean, that I, I was like, oh, this, this kind of ends abruptly. Yep. I didn't actually, because we already had one fake ending, I didn't realize this was the ending. Because then it tells you to go investigate the foundation. Mm-hmm. So I just started doing that. And I'm like, oh, this is a whole new section I'm like oh this is a it doesn't like everything that just happened felt like it was the end of the game twice right but now it now it seems like we're on a new mission doesn't really feel like the end of the game so you know about five minutes in I'm like oh right this must be the DLC yeah yeah the the foundation was the first DLC to release and it um, basically takes place right after the events of the main game Um, and the second DLC is titled AWE and you can do it whenever you after about the halfway mark. So I'm curious if I actually have it unlocked or not. You definitely do. You okay. should have a side mission saying uh investigate the the uh elevator and you have a new you have a new floor to go to. Ah, uh, okay. In the investigations uh, floor, yeah, I believe. 
so here comes the, the big question, Matt. Do you know the twist in this game? Um, maybe. Okay. What What do you think the twist is? Is the twist just that Alan Wake is one of the AWEs? Yes. Okay. I did hear that, read that. So yeah, they hinted that a couple of times in yeah. in in the uh, like the notes you find and stuff like that. Particularly, um, if you remember Alan Wake, Alan Wake could dispel all of the shadow people by using this thing called the clicker, which was a light switch that he used to carry with him. The clicker is an object of power. And the events of Alan Wake are what the, you know, the Federal Bureau of Control call an AWE, an altered world event. The DLC, the second DLC for Control is called AWE, but it's not altered world event. It's called the Alan Wake experience. <laughs> the other AWE. The other AWE. Um, I, I, I have, I have, started AWE only the first two minutes of it Alan Wake is narrating oh that's awesome <laughs> it's I'm like I want to see this yeah yeah basically Alan Wake is is writing a story about Jesse Faden working for the Federal Bureau of Control <laughs> that's really cool <laughs> and that's that 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 was kind of their their big reveal was that Alan Wake uh, and Control are in the same universe. Basically, Control is the center point. Basically, we investigate all this weird stuff. There was this weird stuff that happened back in 2007 at the Cauldron Lake uh, in Bright Falls. Montana? I can't remember where it was. Hmm. I assumed it was even more northwest, like Washington or Oregon. It could have been Washington or Oregon. I can't remember. So, yeah. Um, the other thing, and it's it's also kind of hinted at here, but it has not been officially connected, um, is that Quantum Break also takes place in the Control universe. I think that's part of Control 2. Possibly. I'm not sure. Um, because there are... A few references, just a few, uh, and they're very, they're very obscure references to the, the events that take place at Quantum Break. Interesting. Yeah. I like, I like that, that they've built all this together. Yeah. Cause this I, is kinda... <laughs> I didn't really need more of a reason to, to want to play Quantum Break cause I do, uh, but that, that's cool that it fits within this context even better. Quantum Break was okay. Um, they obviously really pushed that TV show thing. And I feel like it, that dragged that game down a lot. Mm. You could definitely see the influences that Quantum Break had on Control. Because legit, mo the, a lot of the powers that you get in Quantum Break feel like the powers from Control. Yeah. So. Yeah. Uh, so there, there's your there's your big twist. 
I'm glad you. I'm glad you you discovered it. I I knew the twist because I I had not played this game, but Anthony was talking about it with me, and he's like, "Do you care if I tell you what the twist is?" I'm like, "Sure, go ahead." And when he told me the twist, I was like, "Okay, I kind of want to play this game now." Yeah. Because um, he said, "I found I found something that look that that could be game changing." I was like, "What is it?" He said, "I found a piece of paper that said that." The clicker from Alan Wake is an object of power. I was like, whoa, wait a minute. Are you telling me that Alan <laughs> Wake takes place in this universe? And he's like, I'm pretty sure it does. So, yeah. Somehow Alan Wake got... He actually ran into two objects of power. Apparently, Cauldron Lake is a object of power. The lake itself? Lake. The lake itself is. And the clicker is an object of power. So yeah, I had a great time with this game. I think I think it's absolutely fantastic. Um, I think the story the story was okay, but it kind of fell flat in the end. Yeah, I think that it it has a simple enough setup, right? The two kids they find the object of power. You know, and then now she's on a mission to rescue her brother. Okay, it's a it's a basic enough story that I thought they would do a little bit more with it. I mean, it's kind of cool that the hiss has gotten out and kind of in, infected everyone within the within the bureau. I kind of wanted a little bit more story wise, but on the other hand, playing through the game. My my number one impression with the game, or or what I took the most enjoyment from, was that actually the combat, and, yeah. and going you know going going back and forth in the way the way you're juggling your gauges, the way I'm dashing and jumping, and you know I, I, there was a lot of using the environment. I liked the fact in in those scenarios that the environment was destructible as well. So <laughs> I never really felt totally safe when I was hiding behind columns. Yeah, and absolutely. All, you know, all of that together, a lot of the arenas, fights, they were just really well done, and I felt like the rest of the game, for me, was built around that, getting the powers, you know, slowly building up the complexity and, and difficulty of the enemies and the variety of enemies that you tackle at any given time. So, you know, t t to me, the, the interesting setting, the backstory, the the hiss as a way to explain the, the enemy types that you fight. It, it was all in service to the to the gameplay in, in my mind. It felt like I would say a very tight game. Yeah, it feels very well honed. Absolutely, I uh, I completely agree with that. I, I feel like the moment to moment gameplay was really fun in that game. I think the exploration was pretty fun. Like some of yeah. those side quests, dude. You have to do some of those side quests. Yeah, I'm gonna they're, spend some time great. with them this week. Weekend. Yeah, they're great. Um, the mold stuff is okay, um, but the uh, Langston's Runaways side quest was really good. Hmm. A lot of them were simple. A lot of them were kind of short, um, but some of them were a little bit more involved. Um, but the, the, just seeing those objects of power running around, or not objects of power, the, the what are they called? The altered items. Yeah. But, uh, yeah, um, got an email. Let me bring it up here. 
comes in from Dustin. He says, hey, guys, didn't play along since I played this game a little after it launched on the Xbox One X, and I just wanted to share my experiences with it. This game can be summed up in one word for me, overhyped. Mm. Mm. The handful of gaming podcasts I was listening to all, were all gushing over this game, and it ended up winning plenty of game of the year that year. However, I didn't think this game was that great, and it didn't even make my top 10 that year with Sekiro and Resident Evil 2 taking my top two spots. My biggest problem I had with this game was the combat, which I hated, navigation, which was confusing, and the uninteresting main story. What I thought was awesome about this game was all the side content and lore you could dive into that's completely missable. It's pretty sad when all the boss fights are at the end of your side quests. The main story literally has one boss. Everything before that could be classified as a mini boss at best. Also, the lore you get if you just went through the main story pales in comparison to all the side quest content. When I did finish the game, I was pretty unimpressed with how hyped up it was overall and was baffled that it could beat out Resident Evil 2 and Sekiro for Game of the Year, but to each their own, I guess. Yeah, I, I, don't, almost, I don't think it's as good as Resident Evil 2 or Sekiro. I didn't play Sekiro, but that in 2019, there was nothing that could beat Resident Evil 2. Yeah, agreed. Resident Evil 2 was like, gosh... That's how you do a remake, guys. Yeah. Holy crap. It, 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 it felt like, you know, all, all the times that you say, I wish I could go back and, like, rediscover a game for the first time. Like, that's kind of what that felt like. Absolutely. It was like whenever I went back and played Remake, Resident Evil 1 Remake. Yeah. For the first time. I was like, oh, I know this game. I've played it a million times on PlayStation. Oh, no, they changed a lot of stuff. Yeah. That whole room wasn't there, or this section of the mansion wasn't there. And I was like, oh, this is like a brand new game. I was totally down for that. I was totally down for Resident Evil 2. Oh, man, so good. Um, oh, gosh. I like every time I think about it, I was like, you know what? I want to go back and play that again. <laughs> he says, uh, I almost played along to check out the DLC, but since I played the original release, and they made you pay for the Series X and PS5 upgrade. I didn't want to shell out the money for that or the DLC. I have the complete edition on PlayStation Plus, but I really didn't want to replay the entire game. So I'm hoping you guys go into great detail about the DLCs next episode. Mm. We will definitely try. Uh, I did start Yakuza 5, but I'll talk about that when the time comes. Uh, but I'm sure you know what to expect. They they are starting to feel a little bit like Yakuza. What do you mean? Just like more Yakuza. <laughs> more Yakuza. Uh, I from what I understand, five is probably a low point in the series. If we're being honest. Yeah. But I want to make it through them. I really do. Yeah, I mean, I when when we started four, I thought it was the low point. And then, uh, you know, I came around quite a lot on that, so I don't know. Yeah, I mean, it, we'll see. I've never played 5, so I don't know what to expect. The end game is to make it to Yakuza 6 and 7. Yakuza 6, I hear, is is fantastic. It's also in that really good engine that Yakuza Kiwami yeah. 2 was made in. 
Nice. Uh, so I'm excited for that. Um, and then Like a Dragon. From what I understand, Like a Dragon is just crazy. <laughs> like, it, it's a completely different game. It's an RPG. It's a turn-based RPG. And I... Give me something new. Yep. that That's like, pretty different. That's very different. From what I understand going forward with, with that team, uh, Judgment will be the, quote, beat-em-up Yakuza game, while the mainline Yakuza games will be in the style of Like a Dragon. Oh, weird. <laughs> yep. But that's one of one of Yakuza's fun quirks is being weird. Yeah. Um, apparently they also explain why it's turn-based. It's, be- it's because, uh, I can't remember what his name is, Ichiban or something like that, I think that's his name. Uh, he is a really big fan of Dragon Quest, <laughs> and he requires everybody to to fight in turns to wait their turn. <laughs> yes, I think that's how I think that's the explanation. Um, so yeah, uh, that's I mean that, that that's that's pretty much it. So uh, Matt, I, I did want to bring that up. Uh, um, and you seem to be okay with it. I'll, I'll bring it up on the show now. Obviously, we're going to finish Control next week. Um, Jay Lee had asked if we would be willing to do a game with him after Control. Um, and he brought up the uh, the uh, Spike Chun uh, AI, the Insomnium Files. Yep, I have started that game and... Um excited to get back to it okay i haven't played so, much of it but i just wanted to check it out because it's got kind of a cool style to it all right I'm, so, I'm assuming it's it's in the same style as like danganronpa um i know nothing about the game yeah i mean there's some similarities yeah okay but so yeah um uh, he had mentioned uh, us doing that i think he's going to join us for that so uh, we will plan to do that next and then Yakuza 5. Because uh, uh, I know we really want to get through Yakuza's, but um, the last thing I want to do is get burnt the hell out on Yakuza. <laughs> yeah. Um, but yeah, that's that's, that's pretty much it. A uh, little short show for you, but uh, that's okay. We're going to get uh, knee-deep into the uh, the DLCs. Uh, from what I understand, the foundation is actually pretty long, and I think from from what I understand, both of them are, are relatively long. Probably, I would say we've probably got four to five hours of gameplay. Yeah, I, I saw somewhere that the foundation itself was about five, and then AWE is about like three, three and a half. Oh wow! Okay. Well, there you go. We got a whole other game to go through, <laughs> but we'll try and knock them out. But, uh, yeah, uh, if you would like to send us an email, it's uh, drew at ztgd.com. You can also tweet to us. I am at DML Fury. Matt is at REMGS. And the podcast itself is at ZTGD Phoenix Down. Uh, I think that's about it, though. Can't think of anything else. Um, yeah. Thank you all for listening. Until next time, I am Drew. And I'm Matt. And we are out of here. You guys have a great week, and we will be back with the continuation and finale of Control.